Well, hello, podcasters. I thought I would pop on today. I've been really doing a deep dive into this new scripture that I'm going to um, expand on with you guys today. You're, it's going to bless you. I'm just going to be straight up. You are going to be blessed with what we're going to talk about today. If I had to title today's topic, it would be called Cut the Dead Weight. Yeah, let me say it again. It's called Cut the Dead Weight weight and the scriptures that we're coming out of is hebrews 12 and 11 and it'll be a few other scriptures but our anchor scripture will be hebrews 12 and 11 and for those that just popped on the title of today's topic is called cut the dead weight now how many of you know that throughout your life and your walk of sanctification after you've been saved and you're trying to fit you know just live a life totally sold out for Christ, you can start to find yourself in particular situations where you feel that you're not making progress or you're not making progress the way that you would have thought you should have. Or when you look at your counterpart, they tend to be running the race a little bit faster, a little bit swifter, or you even have some counterparts who are running the same race, but they're running it with more ease and making more distance. And they they tend to have more of an endurance while they're running the race. And I like to use um, the analogy, the race, because when we go to our anchor scripture, which is Hebrews 12 and one, it kind of talks about the Christian walk in the perspective of running the race. Now, Paul tells us that we're supposed to run our race, you know, not trying to run it fast or or it's not about the strongest or the, the swiftest. It's about those that endure to the end. Now, that's kind of where I want to anchor today is so that we can start to figure out that, okay, if life is a race, which it is, then how am I racing you know, against myself, because this is not about anybody else, but this is about you taking a reflection of yourself. The word of God says, let every man examine himself. And it says every man has to work out his own salvation. So in order for you to first take a synopsis and a quick snapshot of yourself, you first have to say, okay, you know, Jasmine, I believe in this, uh, layout that you've given me about a race. So let's go quickly over to Hebrews 12 and 11 so that we can all come on one accord and then begin to build off of this particular passage. Now Hebrews 12 and one reads like this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. I'm going to read that again. Now this is Paul explaining God's discipline and how it proves God's love in our lives. But he takes the analogy of the Christian believer running his race because the whole goal of living a life that's Christ-like is so that when we make it in heaven, the Lord says, uh, good and good that you've done a good job 
and that you can enter into his rest. That That's kind of what we're looking for. That's the reason why we are trying to live a Christ-like life. Not only that because we love God, but because we want to get to heaven and receive our crowns. How many of you know that when we get to heaven, that you're going to get a crown predicated upon the work that you've done here in the earthly realm? And some people don't understand that. Some people don't know that, but I'm here to, to serve you notice that you will receive a reward for the works that you've done here on the earth. That's why the word of God says your works are not in vain. And for us to store up certain things that are eternal vice temporal things, because the word of God also says that if you receive your reward for what you did here on the earth, then you don't need a reward in heaven. That's why when you look at the word of God, it seems so very contrary to the way that we think. It seems so very contrary to um, how we would lay out a particular situation. I mean, we can take something very simple as when the Lord talks about, okay, if you're love, your uh, neighbors, the ones that despitefully use you. So someone that's despitefully using you here in the earthly realm, you would be like, okay, I'm going to stay away from that person. I'm not going to deal with that person. You know what? I I just don't want to have any, any dealings or anything with that person because they're, they're using me. They don't mean me well, but the Lord, the word of God tells us is that we're supposed to pray for those people that despitefully use us. So if we are praying for them and doing the things of God, that lets me know that when I parallel those those two thought processes that they are very, very different. So in, in understanding that we can take it a step further when we look at Paul in Hebrews 12 and one, and I'm going to read that one more time. And then we're going to go ahead and deep dive. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to our life, of faith. So that's saying that you're surrounded by people that are watching you. Once you decided to get saved, people are now watching you. You become the salt of the earth. You become the light of the world. So in a dark place, someone's looking up to you. It's a crowd of witnesses surrounded and they're looking at your life. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Paul is basically saying anything that's causing you not to be able to run your race, you know, at full capacity, Anything that's causing you to stumble, anything that may be causing you not to be able to run this race with intentions to win it, you need to cast that thing aside. The scriptures continue to read like this, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. So if it's hindering you from getting to the mark or hindering you in some way, because some of us say, well, you know, it ain't really hindering me. I'm still being blessed. You know, I'm still, you know, able to get a new job, even though I'm dibbling and dabbling over here. You know, I'm, I'm lukewarm. I'm double-minded. I'm, I'm kind of serving God, but I'm still kind of dibbling and dabbling and hanging out at the club and doing all these different things because I have an emptiness in my heart and I'm searching, then Paul is basically making it clear to us. He's saying we need to set aside those things that so easily uh, beset us, those things that easily hinders our progress. And let us run with this endurance that the race that God has set before us. So he's basically saying that, you know what? You got to run this race with endurance, not just any race. But he specifically tells you what type of race. He says the race that God has set before us. So this isn't a race that uh, just haphazardly happened or is by circumstance or happenstance. This is the race that God has set before you. So when you decided that, yes, I'm sold out for Christ, I believe in Christ, you did the sinner's prayer, you started doing your walk of sanctification, that walk becomes now a race. And Paul is saying that's the race that God set before each and every one of uh, these believers that are out here. 
and myself. There's a race in front of me. And that race that I'm running, I have to look and reassess on a constant basis to, the, to find out if if me, Jasmine, if, am I running this race, you know, at the capacity, at the speed, with the endurance, with the freedom that God has set before me? Or am I being hindered in some way, shape, or form? Remember the title of today is called Cut the Dead Weight. Sometimes we get so used to running our race with dead weight, we don't even recognize that we could be running faster. We don't even recognize that we could be running faster because we've got what? We've become content with running it with a bunch of weight. It's, it's funny because what I think about in my mind is a person running with a bunch of luggage. You know, they got luggage in both hands because your race is the marathon. This is the marathon mm. of life. This isn't going to be some sprint. This isn't going to be some quick little relay. This is going to be your marathon until you enter into heaven. You'll be running your race down here and you have to ask yourself, how long can I run with this these two pieces of luggage in my hand, plus this backpack on my back, plus I got a hat on and maybe I got three other hats on because I'm trying to do all these different jobs. I got all these different duties that I'm trying to do. And I'm just trying to make sure that I make progress on my, on my, on my race. Now, the thing is that remember I told you a, a couple minutes ago that some of us have gotten to a place that we are running our race and we're used to carrying luggage. We're used to uh, running behind everybody. We're used to doing all these different things. And Paul is saying, okay, wait a minute. You need to put those things aside that's hindering your progress to do better in your race. So let's go quickly over to um, 1 Corinthians, because this should help you kind of get this into focus. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. So I'm at 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. And it reads like this. Remember that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. Get that? In a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. You also must run in such a way that you will win. I'm going to say that one more time. Remember that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. You also must run in such a way that you will win. And if I went on to go any further in this, it gets even deeper. If you, if we wanted to go deeper in it, Paul goes on in verse 25 to say, all athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will, will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So he specifies in verse 25 that, all right, as athletes, you must practice this. And, and what does that mean to practice uh, as you're running your race? Practicing means that you have to get in your word. As I get in my word, things that I don't need to carry anymore slightly it begin to fall off of me. So now I find myself recognizing that, you know what? Maybe the luggage that's in my right hand is depression. Maybe the luggage that's in my left hand is uh, gossiping. As you read the word of God and begin to find yourself in the word of God, you, and when I say find yourself, because the word of God is like a mirror and you look at the word of God and you look at this mirror, this mirror begins to tell you what? All about yourself. The woman at the well, when she met Jesus at the well and he said he will give you a water that will cause you to not thirst anymore, she is having a 
face-to-face intimate uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. So when she left there, if you read the scriptures, it says she leaves and she says, uh, come and see about a man who told me all about myself. So what happens is she's looking at the word of God that's been made flesh standing in front of her, telling her all about herself. You says, okay, so what does that mean? This is what it means. She was a woman that had been sleeping with several men and he's, he begins to tell her about her life as she's interacting with him. So what does that mean to you? When you look at the word of God, as you run in this race, and we've already agreed from Hebrews 12 and one, that God is the person who gave you the race. So this is not some race your cousin gave you. This is not a race your brother gave you, your sister gave you, your mama gave you, your pastor gave you. This is race that you are running. Once you profess that you was a Christian, this is a race that God set before you. And when he didn't just set the race before you without the rules to tell you what you needed to do to be, to win the race, he set the race before you. And then as we, as I showed you in first Corinthians nine and 24, it tells you how to run the race. And it tells you that you basically needs to run this race with some intentions, not just running the race. Like you are running the race to win the race. You're not just in it to just, Oh, I'm going to pace myself today. And and it'll be whatever it'll be type attitude. No, life is not going to be whatever it's going to be for the Christian believer. We live life with intentions. We don't stumble upon success. We, we go to God. We pray fervently about things. We align ourselves with the principles of God and things begin to happen intentionally. That's not by circumstance, by happenstance. Christian believers, we don't, we don't need to live a life that we stumbling upon things. We have the ability to live a life with intentions. And when you run this race, you can run this race with the intention that you're going to win. I'm going to read first uh, Corinthians nine, 24 through 25. One more time, just to let that get in your spirit. This is Paul telling them how to run the race. It says, remember in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So we need to already hang that as a balloon. There's multiple people running this race, but only one person gets the prize. You also must run in such a way. He's saying you got to run in a similar fashion that you will win. Now, I don't want nobody to go all sidetrack me on this. What he's saying is specifically is you need to run like you want to win. He's trying to give you an analogy. He's trying to bring it home so you can understand. He don't want you to get in a race and just be lollygagging. Like I said before, do, 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 whatever it's going to be. He's saying, no, you run it like you're going to win it because you run in a race against yourself. You run in a race against you having a better Christ-like life. You run in a race against you trying to make sure that you uphold the principles of God. You run in a race against the things that's inside of you. Nothing to do with anybody else now granted everybody else is running a race and you'll see them striving by and doing different things and that should make you say wow that person's running really fast how do they run that fast and you seek God and say you know what are there some things that I have attached to me that's causing me not to be able to run my race with endurance so that I can make it to the end if it is Lord reveal that thing to me and when he begins to reveal it to you you have to be big enough to say you know what Okay, if God is saying that my problem is that I'm a little bit hasty and mouthy, then I probably need to begin to fast and pray and come into agreement with someone to help me to not 
uh, make hasty decisions. I need to gird in my mouth so that I'm not saying things that could potentially set me back in my own personal race with God. So, okay, let's continue to go. So as I was talking to you about a race, I want you to understand, uh, one thing, and I mentioned this before, I said the race isn't given to the strong and to the swift. So it don't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how fast you are. It's given to those that endure to the end. And I want to anchor there for a minute. And the reason why is because in this race of life, you're going to have some ups and downs. Life is going to be happening to you while you're running the race. You say, well, what do you mean life's going to be happening to me? Life is happening now. I'm saying ups and downs, twists and turns, roller coaster rides. What that means is things that are going to be happening to build your strength in God. It says to think it not strange when these fiery darts come your way. So that means that fiery darts are coming my way. Things that I didn't expect, that I didn't want, that I don't understand may come my way to strengthen me, to strengthen me in my walk with Christ. Not only that, if we, if we're not suffering along Christ, then what, why are we doing this? If he he suffered unto death. It, it says the, the father had the son, the son hung there unto death. He suffered unto death and it was voluntarily. He wasn't fighting against God. He wasn't saying, I don't want to do this. And you know what? They spitting on me. He got on the cross and suffered unto death. We have to get a nevertheless spirit. Remember when he was in the garden of Gethsemane before he even got to the cross, the cross, he's in there pleading and he's in there praying and he's asking the disciples. And some of you may know the story. Some of you may not. So I'll, I'll, I'll linger there for a moment. We have the time and I'll give you these nuggets for free. So he finds himself in the garden of Gethsemane right before he gets ready to be crucified. He's down there praying. He wakes up. Well, now I won't say wake up because he's in prayer. So he's not necessarily sleep. At least the scriptures don't allude to that. And I don't want to put something in there that that's not there. But we know that Jesus Christ is in there praying. So he's praying to the father because he has the whole weight of the world's sin upon his shoulder and he's sinless. So he's there praying and he asked the disciples, um, could you just pray with me. Can you just watch and pray while I'm praying to the father? And remember there was one or two times he kept finding them sleep and they, he couldn't understand that I'm going, well, he, I won't say he couldn't understand because he's Jesus. He understands everything. But as we look at the scriptures, it allows us to take a snapshot on their thought process and where he was at as far as him praying and trying to get through a difficult situation. And they not actually understanding and being able to empathize to the place that they could understand the importance of their role at the time of his agonizing um, prayer that he's going through. Now, the interesting thing with this is that as he's praying and he's talking to the father, he is talking about allowing this cup to pass from him. So basically he's kind of like just having this deep authentic and I want to I want y'all to, to float that as a balloon as well this deep authentic uh conversation because prayer is a conversation that you're having with the father but the conversation should be authentic it shouldn't be like you talking to God like he don't know what's going on he knows any and everything he knows every intricate part about you because he made you so he's having this deep conversation and he gets to a point where he says he if this uh cup could pass from me and then he turns around and says but nevertheless so what that indicates to me is that he understood that you know what 
when he says, but nevertheless, if, if this doesn't happen, not my will, but your will, this is what he says, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will. What he's saying is that, you know what? Nevertheless, what, whatever it is, you know, father that you think should happen, let your will be done. He basically is putting it all on the table. And that's why I say it's an authentic prayer. And I'm and I'm going to pray that in this season that as you guys begin to fellowship and get closer to God and that intimacy develops while you're in God's presence through prayer, through devotions, through reading your Bibles, through coming in agreement with small groups that are studying the Bible. I'm praying that you will have a nevertheless spirit and allow God's will to be done in your life in this particular season. Because I, I told you one podcast ago that in this particular season that the blessings of God and things are happening, but it's happening by the breaking of patterns. He's not going to do it the way that you used to seeing it done or the way that it should systematically be done. And it's not even going to be done in a methodical way. He's going to break patterns. And when I say break patterns, he's going to change the landscape of how he's going to lay out a blessing for you. And if you go to my podcast before this podcast, I talk a little bit about that, how he's breaking patterns. And when he breaks a pattern, you have to change your thought process and be open to that pattern being broke. And how that kind of relates into what we're talking about today is the relationship and the authenticity of that relationship that you have with Christ and then that conversation. It has to be genuine. You have to get to a place that you can really tell God how you truly feel. It should be a regular conversation. You know, Lord, I, I need help in this area and I just don't know exactly what you're doing, but I'm trying to lean not to my own understanding because all in all my ways, I need to acknowledge you, but Lord, I'm running low on my faith. Although I know you've given me faith of a mustard seed, but like you gotta, you need to get into this place where you can have a conversation with him, but have a conversation about, about the things that are happening with you, but also a conversation telling him his his word because the Lord responds to his word. He hears his word and he has to come back and what respond to it. It says his word cannot return what void. So when I begin to express my heart to God and I begin to tell him, this is what the scripture said, but this is where I'm falling short. And I, and I know the scriptures are saying this, but I need you to come in and gird me up. See, he has to respond to that because he's like, wait a minute. I heard somebody saying something to me. They saying my word to me and they can hear you in the earthly realm and he begins to um to speak to you and that's why he hearkens unto that and he's like okay i hear something in the heavenly realm praying to me and it's authentic it's not that play play prayer i told y'all about that where you just you know here and there and, and the only way you're going to really be able to get deep into your word and have a, a really nice authentic conversation with god is you got to get in your word during this season, I'm praying for each and every one of you. I decree and declare that you will study to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, that you will begin to allow the scriptures to, to dance upon your heart, that this is a breathing and living word. This word, can it comes to life. It, it, it speaks to your situation. It, it heals you in a way that you don't need to thirst anymore. When he told the lady that he would give her a water, that she would thirst no more, this is what he's talking about. This kind of water is a water that it makes you not have to go back to continue to ask for something because he fills you in those places that are void. How many of you know that when God is reign and supreme and on the throne of your heart, 
you no longer continue to search. You no longer continue to search. See, when the, when the fall between Adam and Eve happened, th- we were fell from our original state. Creates a void, that opening in, in our hearts. So what should happen is we have to allow God to be enthroned on our hearts because what? We were created to worship. You were created to worship. That's never going to change. And if you're not worshiping God, that means you're worshiping something. And I'm, I'm here to tell you on today in this hour, it is crucial to be in God's presence. Begin to just have that relationship start anywhere, but start somewhere in this particular hour because he wants to spend time with you. He says, if you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. So he's going to answer those questions that you have as you're running the race. And I want you to understand that that prayer life is part of your race. That is part of your race. See, this message is simply addressing People that are running the race, but not operating at full capacity. That's that's basically what I'm trying. I'm trying to address those that are running this race with Christ and they're not operating at full capacity. They're running. It feels it might feel hard to them or they're running and they keep stopping because they don't have the endurance to continue to run. Or they're running and trying to figure out why the people around them are running so much faster. Could it be, I'm not saying it is, but could it be that you have not become serious about your race? Could it be? Could it be that maybe you were just in, you were in a state of ignorance? And, and when I read in Hebrews 12 and, and 1, it told you that God is the person that set the race before you. So once you can grasp that, that God set the race before you, and then we run over to 1 Corinthians where Paul tells us how we should run our race, that you should be running it to win it. Then you understand, okay, I need to run this race with intentions. And if, and if those things aren't happening and I find myself in one of those areas that I name that you run it and it feels hard, you run it and you keep stopping and wandering off doing other stuff, finding yourself snared in sin, or you run in and you can't figure out why everybody else seems to be running with so much ease and faster. If you find yourself in one of those areas, again, could it be that you are not taking your race serious? You might not be taking it serious. Whenever an athlete is taking his race serious, they do what? They practice. They practice with the team. They practice individually. And even to take it a step further, they even look at how they eat. They look at all types of things to make sure that when they get out here to run their race, they're going to run it to what? To win. Paul said you should be running the race to win. It's no different than a regular athlete. The people don't make it to the Olympics because they, they was like so, so good. They make it to the Olympics because they what? They have perfected their skill set. When you run this race, you have to work to perfect your skill set. Your skill set is your relationship with God. You have to protect your relationship with God. You have to make time for your relationship with God. You can't be hit or miss with your relationship with God and think you're going to run your race without any bumps in it. Okay, what do I mean by that? It's no different than if an athlete don't practice every day. He can't expect to go out here and win. He's going to find himself coming. Even the best athletes that feel that, you know what, maybe I don't need as much practice. But I guarantee you that if after a set period of time, if they keep uh, non-performing, meaning that they aren't practicing, they're not doing certain things, you're going to start to see it in they what? 
in their performance. And you can compare the performance when they was practicing to the performance when they wasn't. And you're going to see a difference. You're going to see a difference. It's inevitable. You have to be intentional with this race. And I can't say that enough on today. Live a life on purpose. You don't have to live a life that you stumble upon things and things happen by happenstance. You can live an intentional life. You can run an intentional race. And, you know, I know that some out there might be saying, you know what? I'm serious about running my race. You know, I feel that I'm really serious about running my race. And then I would say this. I would say if you're serious about running your race, then postulate the possibility that you may be running with extra weight. Yep, I said it just like that. You said you're serious about your race. And I'm saying, amen, hallelujah, you are serious about your race. But what I'm saying is now postulate the possibility that you might be running with extra rate. Or you maybe you're not drinking enough word. Athletes have to drink water. They have to say what? Saturated. If they don't say saturated, you will see that in their performance. They'll have uh, leg cramps. They may even still win the race, but they may win the race and then have leg cramps later. You might see them where they don't have a, a the breathing is affected because their body isn't as saturated. I'm saying, could it be that, yeah, you're serious about the race, but you're not doing other things to perfect your race where you're running at optimum level. That's where I'm trying to talk to you today. I'm I'm trying to get you to go higher. I'm trying to tap into that hidden potential that's inside of you. I'm trying to get you to stop accepting mediocre and telling you that God has more for you. I'm here to tap into an area that you may, you may not want. You might be comfortable. You might say, you know what? I've been coming to second place for the last three years and I'm pretty comfortable with coming to second place. I'm here to tell you that God is saying, no, you need to run the race like you're going to win it. So postulate the possibility that you might have extra weight. Think about the possibility that you're not taking in enough word. If you started taking in more word than you're taking in now, you're only going to do what? You're only going to get better. You're not going to get worse. You're going to get better. If you continue to uh, maintain the word that you're taking in uh, that that particular state, you're going to be what? Stagnant you're, or you're going to what we say plateau when you're doing weight loss. If I keep running the same three miles every day and at first when I ran the three miles, I lost 10 pounds. But now I just keep running that three miles. Eventually, I'm going to plateau, right? Plateau is where you just kind of fall off and you just stay at that same level. That's called mediocre. Get that? That's called mediocre. And I'm here to tell you that God wants you to continue to ascend to the high place. What that means is you have to continue to climb with God. He's trying to bless you. Why? You say, well, why do I got to climb? I don't feel like climbing. I'm telling you, the higher you climb with God, the better vantage points you have over your life. When you have a better vantage point over your life, then you have a better understanding and you don't ask God crazy questions because you understand, oh, I'm ascending to the high place with him and he's given me an understanding because I built a relationship with him and he trusts me and can call me friend. You're not some uh, person trying to build a relationship thinking God's supposed to tell you secrets and you only spend time with him like twice this week. Think about it. It's a regular, it's just like a regular relationship. The more time you spend with him, the more more he can what the more he can trust you the more he can trust you the more he will disclose his secrets to you his secrets are the revelation of God his secrets are the deep 
and mysterious things that don't go over the natural eye. See, we have to want more than just having that information as far as knowledge when it comes to understanding God in the intellect. We got to want to search out the deep things of God and to get the deep things of God, it's going to take some work. So look at your neighbor or look at yourself and say, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some work. And if you're not ready to do the work, I mean, I don't know what to say. I'm going to have to keep praying for you, but you're going to have to be ready to do the work, especially if you want to stay in the race and run it with endurance. Now, the other thing I want you to think about is, you know, if you're trying to obtain results that require help, help, because as you're running this race, you will get to a point that says iron sharpens iron. You will need a mentor. Maybe some of you need a mentor. Maybe you've gotten to a place in your discipleship where you're saying, you know what? You know, I'm going to church and I enjoy it and everything, but I just need to get something else. Sometimes you just need a mentor. You need someone who can give you some guidance, someone that you can sharpen your sword with, someone that you can ask the hard questions to and begin to grow. Someone who can recommend, oh, read this book. This book is going to help you. Someone who can look at you and say, oh, you're called to be a teacher. You should read this book on teachers. This is going to help you. And they will look for doors to open so that you can be able to exercise your gift. Some of you need a mentor. You got to pray and ask God, Lord, send me a mentor. Send me someone who can help me to understand the word of God. I know that I'm right and I ain't making this up because Paul mentored Timothy. Come on now. Barnabas mentored his cousin, John Mark. All these people wasn't just wandering through life. They wasn't wandering through life like that. They was running their race intentionally. We all get to a place where you're like, you know what? I'm demotivated. My fire is just not stoked. And you need a mentor to come in and say, okay, let's do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Just like working out. Some people are very good at working out by themselves, but some people need other people to work out with in case they have a bad day and they don't feel like working out. And then that workout partner says, okay, let's do this. And you know what? I was searching up on the internet and I think we should try to do this exercise. That's going to give us a better effect or a better result. So some of you may be in that area and I'm going to challenge you on today. Pray. Pray. Remember, I told you to postulate if you said I'm serious about my race, postulate if you carry an extra weight and it needs to drop. Think about if you need to take in more word. Think about if you potentially need a mentor. Think about if you need to start fasting and praying. Yeah. And I know you, I, you was hoping I wasn't going to get to that, but I'm going to say it because some of us don't like to turn the plate down. Some of us just, we can't, it's like, we, what do you mean? I'll pray and I'll do everything else. But when we say fasting, it's like a disease. They're like, no, I don't want to catch that. But I'm saying on today, I want you to think about those things because the disciples was up against rebuking the spirit in the Bible. I don't know if you remember this, but in the, the, uh, Bible, it tells us how they were trying to pray this spirit off of somebody and they couldn't figure out why the spirit didn't go. And then the Messiah has to tell them that some things come by fasting and some things come by praying. So I'm here to tell you on today and to reaffirm to you that you might be in an area where God is challenging you and he's saying, you know what? I, I'm an, I need you to fast. I need you to turn your plate down. I need you to sacrifice some things for me in exchange for you doing that. I'm going to do some things for you because God will bless you when you do. I call it an exchange. When we say he uh, gives us beauty for ashes, 
That's what that is. When I hand him my junk through fasting, he hands me something beautiful back because you sacrificed for me, daughter. You sacrificed for me, son. So because you did that, I'm going to bless you. It says at his right hand are many pleasures. It says he delights in blessing us. God wants to bless us. This, this is how he works. He delights in it. He sits up there trying to figure out who can I bless today? Now, who does that? Who wakes up in the morning? Well, actually, he don't even wake up because he never sleeps or slumbers. Let's talk about God for a minute because he's awesome like that. He never sleeps or slumbers. He wakes up. Look, I keep saying wake up. Well, he, we wake up to knowing the fact that he wants to bless us on today. That's an awesome thing. That's something to be thankful for. That is something to be thankful for. Lord, I thank you on today for delighting and blessing your people. I thank you on today for having the pleasures at your right hand and you're desiring to, to give us things the far beyond what we could ever think or imagine. Lord, we thank you for that today. See, God is wanting to bless us even now. So let's talk a little bit more about this race. So to be successful in the race, it's not circumstantial or accident. Again, write this down. It's intentional. You don't have to dream about winning with God. You don't got to dream about winning. You just work at it and God will give you success. So you don't have to dream about winning. I tell people that all the time, quit dreaming about winning. I'm dreaming about this and I'm dreaming about that. And I'm dream. You don't have to dream about winning. You just work at it and God will do the rest. When you, and when I say work at it, that's not in your fleshly ways. Working at it is seeking ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. When you seek God first and he's the, the, the thing behind your motive of why you seeking something, he will make your efforts a success. And if he don't make your efforts a success, you have to learn to trust him because he knows what's best. Jeremiah 29 and 11 tells us that he knows the plans that he has for you. It's not to harm you. It's to give you a hope in the future. So if God says no, he has a good reason. It's to help you not to hurt you. We have to learn how to trust God while we're running the race. Now, Paul, I told you, he made it perfectly clear in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 27, how we need to run the race. And I'm going to leave you with three points for you to take throughout the week. The first point is when you run this race, one, be intentional. And I beat that like a dead horse. The first point is to be intentional. Run your race to obtain the prize. You're not running your race to just be do, 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 do. You running your race to obtain the prize. One is be intentional. Two is you run your race with focus, then refocus, and then refocus as needed. I say that because as you run in a race of life, things happen and you will have to stop for a minute and refocus, run a little bit more. And I say refocus as needed because you may need to refocus and then you may not. So I'm going to say refocus as needed. So you need to be focused while you run in this race because you cannot run this race aimlessly. God did not. If he set the race in front of you, he set he's giving you parameters and he's giving you principles on how to run the race. He don't just give you something without a resolution. If That's why the Bible's so awesome. We're overcomers because we have the answers to the test. Hello. You don't have to. This is an open book test. This is an open book test. You have all the answers to the test. So how you run the race is you don't have to figure that out. You don't have to guess. You don't have to ask your cousin and them. He gave you the answer's right here. And I'm hoping that you was able to grasp a little bit of that when I went over to 1 Corinthians and we went to chapter 9, 24 and 25. Now, 
I said three points. First one, be intentional. Second one is focus. The third point that we're going to hinge ourselves on is when you run your race. Wait, well, let me back up because when I was saying you be focused, I want you to also run your race with a plan. You got that? Running your race with a plan. You have to have a plan. The plan is going into the word of God. Seeing what the word of God is saying concerning you at that particular season of your life. Paul gives us a clear picture. He says we can't compare um, be, to other people because we don't have an idea of the big picture that's going on in our brother or our sister's life. But we can run the race with God's purpose in mind. So what I want you to get is just in a nutshell is that every man is responsible for his race the participation and the results of his race. I went over that over and over and over again. This is your race. Ephesians 5 and 17 says we should understand what the Lord's will is for you and your race. See, I'm not just saying this by circumstance. Ephesians 5 and 17 is telling you, you have to understand what the Lord's will is for you. And your race. That's why I tell you, don't compare yourself to the next person. Even though you see them and you can look and say, you know what? Wow, they're running really fast. Maybe I should run that fast. But not comparing in the way that you're trying to compete with them. That's when I say compare. That's the clarification that I want to make sure you get. So you can look at them and say, wow, they are running with endurance. You know, Lord, is there a way I can run with more endurance? But you're not doing it in such a way that you're trying to compete with your brother or hurt yourself. You are competing with yourself. You're competing with yourself saying, okay, I ran this race yesterday. I ran at this time. I need to speed up today and run at this time. You competing against self at this particular time. So again, Ephesians 5 and 17 says that we should run this race understanding what the Lord's will is for your life. That's crucial in this hour. And while running the race, no matter how uncomfortable or comfortable you might be, you need to learn how to be content. And the reason I say you have to learn how to be content is because Paul said that you have to uh, learn how to be content in all things. And once you can find yourself in a place that, okay, I'm running my race and I know that I know God's will and I'm doing all that I can do. That is when you can be content. Cause I would challenge you if you are running with a bunch of luggage and you running aimlessly, that's not the place that you need to be content. Just wandering around with a bunch of heavy weight. Remember I said the topic was to cut the dead weight. So if you are cutting the dead weight, you have to Put those things aside that causes you to not make progress through this race. Now, I want you to understand also that in this particular time, that the more you get into your word, the more you can begin to unfold God's will for your life. It's not just going to unfold mysteriously, just magically. It's going to unfold when you put in the effort by spending the time with God and he'll begin to continue to open up the truths and the revelation of what it is that he has you to do concerning the race. And then the last point I wanted to make was training, 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 training. And what that means is during this race, you have to practice 
the, and I already went over this because I said the three focus points is to be intentional, to focus and refocus and then refocus as needed and then training because this race is for serious runners. You have to discipline yourself. You have to constantly practice, practice by reading the word of God, disciplining yourself is consecrating yourself and not doing those things that the world would do because you're in the world, but you're not of the world. The Lord is telling you to renew your mind, renew your mind daily so that you're not thinking on those things that aren't uh, good and true. There's things that you have to do in the training process so that you can run your race and we can see the results of that coming out of you and in the way that you perform as you're running your race. And I mean, I'm closing at that point. I mean, I'm really excited about this race thing and I, I don't know, I might even do a series on it, but again, in this season, I really want you to think about cutting the dead race as you come to the realization that God has set the race before you. It's God and Hebrews 12 and one, he set the race before you and he's, and you know, you can do it because in Hebrews 11, which is what we call the book of faith, it explains to us all different types of people, men and women who ran their race of faith and they won it. He gives you examples. He gives you all types of examples and they go from, uh, one profession to, to the other profession. You know, it is full of good enriching faith uh racers we'll call it that hebrews 11 is full of faith racers who ran their race to the end whether it be good or bad you know situations happening in between they continue on in their faith race and found themselves in hebrews 11 and that's where i want you to be on today i want you to pull your uh motivation from hebrews 11 Read all of our faith builders, the people who stood through good and bad times, because that's going to help you be able to run this race with the endurance, running it like you're going to win the prize, like you're the only person in the race. Intentional in this hour, intentional in this hour. And I'm closing. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you on today. We thank you for this awesome word that you've given us and the title of this called Cut the Dead Weight. I decree and declare that the dead weight will now be cut off of the people who are under the sound of my voice, God, and that they will begin to run their race swiftly, God, and not just swiftly, but with endurance. So a combination of them both, they'll have the capacity to be able to run this race with endurance, God, but they won't just rely on them running swiftly. They will know that, hey, I can still run fast and I need to endure to the end. God, keep them during these times of, uh, when they're uncomfortable, I, I speak over them even now, God, that they'll begin to learn and get deeper in the word of God and that their desire and their thirst for you will be uh, deeper than what it's ever been. I come against distractions and uh, obstacles that might be hindering them from being able to get closer to you in this particular hour. God, we thank you. We bless your name and we ask all these things in Jesus name. Amen. 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 And until I come on next time, podcasters, I want you to be blessed and know that the Lord loves you. And remember, cut the dead weight.